The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome back to the Underdog NBA show, everybody. Tyler Laurie's out. He's resting up. Load management for the playoffs. So we called in a super sub, a ringer, Blake J. Harris. You know him from all his books, Console Wars, History of the Future, documentaries, GameStop just came out. Um, you can buy that now or rent it online if you can't get to the theater. Blake, how you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling well. Um, I, I don't know what reason Tyler gave you, but I know privately between you and I, he told me he was suffering from jaw fever. <laughs> jaw so. fever? I think it's sort of like a... You know, it's like a diva thing. You know, he thinks that, you know, we count like per game stats. You, you don't think about longevity, how many games you registered. Never really factors into the MVP race, you know, like when they're talking about, oh, so-and-so played 80 games, so-and-so played 74. It never seems to matter. And I think that's sort of his logic. So, so like basically uh, Tyler's between like Kawhi and old school LeBron where he was like Iron Man 82 games. So like he's like sneaking in. So he's, he doesn't get a Kawhi-like reputation, but he does kind of, you know, load manage a bit. And also, you know, it could be like a LeBron thing where he's like, you know, I'm probably not getting all podcast award this year. I'm not going to win any titles. I'm going to shut it down and game plan for next year. Maybe it's a rebuilding year for us and we didn't realize it. That's pretty good. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if you want me to stay on for the whole show. I know I was initially brought on just to tell one joke. So <laughs> do you want to tell so a joke? Get, yeah. So this, this would be like uh, if, if the NBA made popsicle sticks, this would be like a popsicle stick joke. Okay. And it's uh, uh, what did Zion Williamson say when he heard about the Pelicans trade deadline acquisition? What did Zion Williamson say when he heard about the trade deadline? I think he said, McCollum, I hardly know him. <laughs> See, that's why, that's why you might get six man of the year. We need some dad <laughs> jokes here. <laughs> some you know in the nba everything moves so quickly people have probably forgot about that trade even but the pelicans are kind of surging and they're they're game and a half back of the lakers well they uh basically i mean they ran into a brick wall and like the grizz the other night but uh yeah i, I think that I, I i like the mccollum sort of has his like quote own team or at least own team until Zion he's playing back. really well i mean they lost that little game without ingram but the two of them together with Zion, that's, that's what I kind of wanted to focus on the West. Um, because I think the best part about the Pelicans is that I feel like they're, they're all members, past, present, or future, of Zan's like 99 cent store. It's like all underrated players. Like even Ingram, I guess he's, you know, maybe overrated initially because he was number two pick. But like it's all guys that everyone's like, eh. And they're all, they're all quite good and they have been playing well together. Yeah. And, you know, Ingram's still kind of, I feel like we talked about privately, like the most underrated players. And I think Ingram and McCollum are both like in that group, despite being like 20 point per game guys, just because like the Pelicans haven't been good. They just had such a bad start. And then since then, they've been playing 500 or above 500. 
and they're not, I don't want to say surging, but they're, they're kind of frisky. Like, so if you look at the West, you know, Phoenix is comfortably number one without CJ, I mean, CP3, they'll hang on to that. But Memphis is now officially past Golden State for number two. Right. Dallas is surging. They are maybe going to end up at number four. They're a half game behind Utah. The upstart Minnesota Timberwolves, who you might forget, people didn't think we're going to make the playoffs. They're eight games over 500. And then another young team in New Orleans, you know, not a good record, but they're, as I mentioned, a game and a half behind the Lakers. Like, do you feel like this is just Phoenix's inevitable march to the finals, or do you think it could be actually chaos in the playoffs? I think it's going to be chaos in the playoffs. Um, uh, maybe that's a recency bias with CP injury, but like, I do remember feeling last year in the playoffs, especially when they're up. 2-0 in the finals, like, oh, Phoenix, Phoenix is going to roll here. And then you remember, like, oh, like Chris Paul cannot make it through a season. Like, mm. I, I, I love him. He's fantastic. He's amazing. But, like, what, do you, what are you supposed to do when evidence every year is that, like, by the end of the season, he's not playing his top game? And so right. how could you really bet? Well, and it's like that what if. And people, people use – People use the what if for Chris Paul, like, what if he didn't get injured this year? What if he didn't get injured that? Like, you're right. Like, he's injured basically at the end of every year. Like, Kyrie Irving misses a lot of games in the playoffs. Why should you expect him to be healthy? Um, there's some of these what ifs. Yeah, like, it's like, like, like you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in great shape. I, I'm very uh, Brian Windorstian, you could say, in, uh, you know, uh, my, 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 my shape and size and all things. But, like, if I was running a mile – and I ran a pretty good first quarter mile. And then by the last mile, I was like panting. You can't, you can't be like, well, if he kept up his time for the first quarter the whole time, like, like me running out of steam is like inevitable. Just like CP3 running out of steam is inevitable. Well, yeah. And I see that argument online. Like what if like, this is kind of an old school reference. Um, Brandon Roy, for example, like what if Brandon Roy stayed healthy? It's like he came into the league with like knee issues and that's why he dropped. Or like, what if Yao Ming stayed healthy? It's like he was seven, five and like was not built to last. Like that's just not a reality that he was going to play for 20 years. Um, And then, so that does make you wonder about Zion too, because that Zion might be the next like, what if guy. And it's just like, if he fails, like he was going to fail. Like his body was just not meant for the NBA. Although feels like a real concern because I guess you could make a comparison if the Zion stuff feels similar to the Embiid stuff at the time like you know living through right. early Embiid like how's this guy ever going to play but maybe it happened behind the scenes the lack of like public dissent between Embiid and the Sixers like the fact that they seem to be simpatico and like like optimistic versus like basically compounding the injury health like history with the unhappiness seems like a recipe for disaster at this point. Well, I hope I'm wrong though. I like that. No. And you know, it's kind of like the end of the season sneaking up on us. Like everyone's played about 60, 65 games. So there's not a lot of time to like work in people or like hit that NOS, like fast and furious where you need a little boost at the end of the season. But it's really interesting. The idea that if you think the West is going to be open, if you think the title is going to be open, you know, Brooklyn does certainly doesn't look like a super team right now. Um, what do you do with guys who are like injured, like Zion, like theoretically, I don't think he's playing this year, but do you bring him back? If you're the Clippers, do you bring Kawhi and Paul George back? Cause it, allegedly Paul George is kind of close to playing. And if you're Denver, Michael Porter and, and Jamal Murray. So there's like a lot of like guys like sitting there waiting to really shake things up. Like how much yeah, do you risk? Fun. I don't know. I mean, 
That's a good question. I, I'm, I, I felt like the Denver guys were going to – I don't know. For some reason, I saw Denver as a different situation, but I guess there's not actually a good reason why I felt that way. I guess maybe because they're not super superstars. Um, well, because I think they were they were always – Jamal Murray was always projected to come back around this time. And then I thought that the argument against it was going to be like, you know, it's probably not going to be there a year, you know, if he's out for most of the year and he has to work his way back. But it could be their year, you know. I mean, you have Jokic, who I think is the clear MVP. They're the sixth seed right now. I think if they get Jamal Murray back, like I think teams are going to be definitely afraid of them. Although they, their playoff success has been a little limited. You have to admit that. People forget they got swept by the Suns last year. They lost the Lakers 4-1 in the conference finals the year before. They, you know, they lost to Portland around two. So it's not like they've been like world beaters in the playoffs. But, but it's always like that thing of you know, the NBA versus other sports where if you have the best player on the floor, like more often than not, or at least you feel like you have a solid chance to win. And Jokic is in most cases going to be the best player. I mean, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, look at, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's not just MVP numbers. It's like, if you did like the decade best MVP of the season, he's, <laughs> he's shooting 57% from the field. 26 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists a game. I mean, that's just like crazy. Those are like Russell Westbrook numbers. That's really- <laughs> Those are Russell Prime Russell Westbrook numbers. I don't even see how it's an MVP debate. I mean, I guess, especially he's played more games than Joel Embiid, but I guess there has I to be I guess the reason debate. I know Denver is different than like the Clippers, and this I don't think this is good logic. It's just that like it does feel like the motor that moves the team is Jokic and adding in new parts. Right, just that's a good point. Nas, you know, switch in uh, Fast and Furious, you were saying. But, like, whereas the Clippers, like, it, it reminds me of the year before the Clippers, like, brought in players where, like, they were overachieving. And, like, mm-hmm. if you were to bring in the good guy, the quote-unquote good guys, it would, like, actually make the team, like, it would make it a very different team. That's, that's a good point. And then also Kawhi, like, in, a, in theory, you're like, the Clippers are more, like, built to win now because their stars are, you know, 30-plus. But Kawhi just doesn't seem the kind of guy who's going to risk it, you know? And, like, I, I, maybe he doesn't care that much. Is that possible to say? I mean, I don't want to get in his head, but he's already won a title, multiple titles. I mean, where's the sense of urgency there? And I think that kind of trickles into Kyrie Irving in, Brent, in Brooklyn, where it's like, I've already won. I don't need to, like, push my body to the limit to win again. I mean, right. is that sort of, like, the logic behind the, the vaccine thing or not? You're you're asking me to. I'm asking you to be Kyrie Irving because you kind of have that like free thinker mentality. Kyrie and Kawhi. It's possible, right? Though I mean, like, there's not a lot of like Ronnie Lott. Like, I'm going to cut off my finger to win a title in the NBA right now. Well, I think that takes us. That should take us to the Grizzlies, which is like what I like about them, and maybe that's just me projecting or you know uh, idealizing them. But like, Jod, aside from just being incredibly athletic and the great point guard leading the team. Like he does feel like a throwback in the sense mm-hmm. of like, I guess I can't say he's like created through injury necessarily, but like that whole thing where like, like, like not like I'm friends with everyone AAU style and where, um, you know, like he, he, uh, didn't he not sign autograph for kids that were wearing Lakers jerseys or something oh, like I didn't that? I see that. But yeah, I know like, what you mean about like, throwback. You know, like, I'm not, like, like, I like him creating a rivalry and like being proud of his team and wanting to destroy other teams. Well, and also throwback in the sense, like, cause he's averaging 27 points a game, 
for a 22 year old is impressive, obviously. Most guards doing that are like shooting 10 threes a game, you know, like Trey Young. Like that's how they're scoring. But like he doesn't shoot a ton of threes for a game, getting to the line a lot, like getting inside a lot. Very like Allen Iverson like, right? I mean, is that who you who reminds you of too? No. Yeah. Like a bigger Allen Iverson, maybe? It's it's hard. Definitely, if I put myself back in the shoes of myself in 1995, 96, 97, watching Iverson at Georgetown or on the Sixers, it does remind me of that. But it's hard to look, it's hard to think about Iverson now and think about him purely from basketball sense. I feel like people think about, talk about apathetic players not pushing themselves. You know, Iverson with the whole practice and, you know, maybe some of his off the court. Um, uses of time like i've but yeah it really is like Iver, iverson on georgetown and then iverson rookie year early years was like the most exciting player in the world to watch and it, you know what like i think the the difference maybe between those memphis teams like and those philly teams like <laughs> philly was like you know pre-analytics obviously and so like they really like played a bad like style of basketball like it would be like they played their idea was like Iverson, you handle offense, and then we'll put a bunch of like defenders around you. If you remember, like Eric Snow and like Theo Ratliff and Tyrone Hill, like it was like laughable, like how little spacing and how few threats they had besides Iverson. And like that kind of made him a little more inefficient, I think, than he could have been. Like Memphis is one of the smarter organizations and one of the more forward thinking organizations. So, can you imagine Iverson with like a Desmond Bain? Um, or Jaron Jackson is like a stretch big. Like they would have been a totally different team and maybe actually won a title. Yeah. And that, like, I, I do, I, it's been said a million times, but like, you got to love the depth on the Grizzlies. You got to just love the roster fit around Ja, Jaron Jackson playing well, you know, his defense. And like you said, Bain or the, the guy, not Zion Williamson, who's, who do they have? Zion Williams. <laughs> the Zaire Williams. Zaire Williams. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're so much fun to watch. They're, they're definitely who I'm rooting for in the playoffs. Um, and so do you think, like, you said it's open-ended. Joss, I mean, arguably the best point guard this year in the regular season. I think he probably will win, make All-NBA first team. I, think so. I don't know, maybe Curry, I don't know. But so as the two seed, if, if it holds right now, they play Minnesota in the first round, which is no cakewalk but they'd be favored and yeah, then, i mean it's really tough assuming that minnesota wins the but yeah, like i think like, still think they're so new that they're sort of like a disrespect for memphis like i think besides minnesota and the clippers i think they would be underdogs in most series like don't you think they'd be the underdog against phoenix obviously yeah Golden state utah dallas i don't know maybe, that's a yeah, question maybe, you everyone hates utah and i yeah. think that rotation. But yeah, against Dallas or Denver, it's really hard to feel like confident that Memphis is gonna, you know, be the favorite and you know, win in five. Like I think that that's but that's why I say it's all open. Other than then the Suns with a healthy CP3, which is not a thing that happens, and other than the Warriors with a healthy Draymond and with a Clay Thompson from 2017, which not you know is impossible, and also Draymond's still out. Well, it's supposed to come back next week. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it feels really open, and I think that's exciting. Well, let me ask you this question, like big picture, because there's two different theories here. One is the regular season is built for young guys who have the energy and the endurance and, the, you know, no health issues, really. I mean, John missed some time, but 
because the guys were talking about having great regular seasons, Jaw, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, they're all under 30, right? Yeah. So is it a matter of they can wear out and really put up stats in the regular season, whereas the old guys are kind of resting for the playoffs? Or do you think it's sort of like these are the best guys in the NBA and we just haven't accepted it yet because we're still holding on to the old guys? That's a really good question. I think that like most things in life, we're holding on to our preconceived notion. Um, like, um, yeah, like, because if you recall, last week, Ja had back-to-back games where he scored his career high. He scored, I think, 46, and then he scored 50. Yeah. Um, and, and but, but I think that he also scored 46 in the playoffs last year. Didn't he score against the Jazz? Um, oh yeah, he had a good run, from what I recall. Let's like, see. Like basically, it was, it was his regular season career high. It was like so. So basically, I feel like he had uh, forty-seven in game two. Yeah. yeah. So I was. So so he actually it actually wasn't his career high. It was just his like career regular season high. And so, uh, um, you know, we 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 always envision these young playoff teams as like needing to take their lumps and go different steps each year. And you know, the Thunder seemed like a good example of that, but. It was like talking about, you know, how we thought at the time, everyone thought that the Warriors Memphis playing game last year was like a foregone conclusion, just like mm-hmm. a formality, but Memphis won that game. And then they won the first game of the Utah series. Like, like they, I, I, I think anything could happen. I think we're in for some real March madness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, to your point, like people might forget they won at Utah the first game. The second game is when he scored 47, got to the line 20 times in a loss, and they ended up losing four in a row. But maybe it's like Phoenix, where it's like, I feel like Phoenix had that stink on them last year where no one believed in Phoenix because they were yeah. too new. And then they meant, went to the finals and were up 2-0, you know, and almost won the title. That's a great example, because the way that we felt about Phoenix all last year, even with the veteran, like, CB3, was so similar to how we feel about Memphis now, or even probably, like, Dallas um, but then now a year later, we're like, well, they're the like, you know, legacy team, the sort of juggernaut. So it changes quickly. But do you think, I, am I old or am I wise to still kind of doubt Memphis? Because I'm sort of in that category. Like if it was Memphis, Utah, that's probably the best example because we just saw it. Utah's historically been better. They won last year. If Memphis played Utah, I think I would pick Utah still. Does that make me out of touch? Uh, it makes you wise to doubt the teams because at the end of the day, there's only going to be two teams in the finals, and every team that doesn't make the finals, you can kind of say, "Oh, they had a disappointing." Yeah, that's true. And so you're probably going to be right, unless for the you know the two teams that. Although I would but say Memphis, like I don't know what. Because I mean, almost every team in the top tier wants to win. It's like title or bust. I think Memphis is one of those teams, and maybe Chicago as well, where it's like everything's been so good this year that like anything is gravy. Like if Memphis lost in the first round, I still think their fans would think like, this was a great year. Don't you think? I do. Um, but I think I, I, I guess I would like to believe that, but I kind of think that's not actually what's going to happen. If they get the two seed and then they lose in the first round, or if it was like, I feel like people, I feel like they're going to retroactively look at it. Um, have you ever seen the show NCIS? I've seen episodes, but not like followed it. All right, that me too, and that's how I feel about the jazz. It's like 
Yeah, we get it. Like you're not going to win an Emmy. I guess like my brother likes watching you, but like, right. like you're kind the of numbers not- are there every year. Like you're surprised that their numbers are still there. Well, like even if you put that against like Alana or SBU or some other like procedural, it's like or Blue Bloods. It's like those ones are a lot better. Like let alone like being like a prestige show. Like I'm just like like all right, Utah. But maybe that will be the biggest surprise if they actually. Well, and it's it's funny you say that because it's true. And maybe it's a carryover from like the old days, but like people are like, oh, Utah, Rudy Gobert is boring. Meanwhile, they have like the number one offense by a good margin. So you think a team that's like shooting the most threes, second most this year, and like scoring the most per possession would be an exciting team. But Utah has never like captured the imagination of people. I don't know why that is. It's got to be, it's, it's be Rudy Gobert related, yeah, right? Yeah, I think like, you're right. Because even wasn't he the last pick in the All Star draft? Which 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 is you know there's a lot of good All Stars, but like I f- but he, amongst players in the NBA, he's like not respected as much as it's crazy, know. right? I mean, like guy shooting seventy one percent this year from the field, you know, probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year again, and like he doesn't get nearly as much as respect as like a Dennis Rodman does or something like that. I mean, I I personally don't like him. Because I have the memory of the COVID stuff. Yeah. And like, like, <laughs> I mean, he was like joking about this thing that I understand at the time didn't seem very serious, but like, it re- talk about bad optics. Like, <laughs> but explain this to me because I would think, like, why is Rudy Gobert disrespected by NBA players? Maybe he's a jerk. You would think in some way, like, it's the international thing. But then at the same token, Giannis seems pretty well respected. And Luka Doncic, like everyone seems to, you know, eat up the hype. I don't think it's the international thing. Yeah. So you think it's like. The first thing I think it is, is a big man thing. I think. What do you think Jokic? I still think Jokic has a little disrespect despite his acclaim. uh, Yeah, I agree. Like it's weird, but like a potential two-time MVP. I think he's underrated. I think that's true. Do so you think that's because he was just like not a lottery pick? Like people still Yeah, start. maybe. I think it's like a look thing too. Like he just looks bad. <laughs> you know? But he doesn't anymore. Like it's really amazing to look at, you know, the Pillsbury Doughboy that he was. And right. like, he really did lose weight during like the before the bubble. And like he's been, he was already amazing, but he's been like another level since. Um, do you think, do you have you followed the MVP? Do you have like a strong opinion on that or not really? Yeah, my strong opinion, which I've shared with you and Tyler over text, is that, like, I think it's ridiculous that the people who always say, like, oh, MVP should be, like, you know, the best player on the best team, that, like, everyone is, like, crowning Embiid or Jokic, who I do think actually deserve it. But, like, there's a good chance that Denver will finish sixth. There is, like, also, probably not now with Harden, but there's, like, a decent chance that the Sixers could finish sixth. It's all, everything's so congested. So, to, like. To base it on that. Yeah, to base it on that seems weird. I think that like what you were saying about Jokic, that he's not just like having like a good MVP season. He's, like back, That's he's like having like a historic season. Right. And then the record thing, it's like Philly's two and Denver's six. So you think, well, that's a big difference. Meanwhile, it's a game and a half record wise. So like it really, it's hard to base it on that. Yeah, like or even like, like, like Luca's number. What if Luca, if the Mavericks were the two seed let's just say that the suns are going to win the one seed like would that make him more of an mvp candidate what about he missed time so does that mean yeah well i I mean like i i am a different kind of mvp voter in the sense i don't have a vote but also 
I, I don't like the argument where it's like, let's base it on whose teammates are the worst, you know, right. or it's like, it's like, well, without him, they'd be really bad. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's like, who's the best, most impactful player to me. So like Giannis's teammates are pretty good, but he's still the most theoretically one of the most impactful players. So therefore he's the most valuable player. It's not to his specific team because they're suck. Otherwise, in my opinion, a lot of people don't think so, but I just think it's weird to put so much context on it. Um, well, I think a lot of other shows are probably talking about MVP races because it's, the, you know, it is the season. What do you think about, like I said earlier, that the NBA is sort of unique as a sports league and that if you have the best player, you, you feel some level of confidence. Who do you think is the best player in the NBA now? Not just for a single game, but for a series. Right. Um, like that's who, a good question. And you know, it's funny. Who, it was around this time of year we asked that question to Tyler. And he's like, Jokic. I think Jokic is the best player. Like, and it was pretty like surprising because he was just like a regular season wonder. I think it's a there's a very good argument that like, hey, Jokic maybe is the best player in the NBA. I think it's Giannis right now, though. I mean, like in terms of offense, defense, impact. Um, so I would say Giannis. And then, but I That's think like to our to our like recurring theme about just like how perception changes and how things that seem like new and therefore like unlikely to sustain actually become like the norm. Like even think about Jokic. Like I, I feel like I remember you guys talking on the pod last year, and it was probably it was an opinion I shared. It was like you kind of conceded, and maybe Tyler more so that like yeah, Jokic is probably the MVP. But if you were like drafting players, he'd be like the seventh pick, and like now he'd probably be like the first or second. No, like, totally. Third. That's a great. I mean, like, and I think Westbrook had that sort of MVP season, and Derrick Rose had that MVP season where it's like the stars aligned for MVP, but no one thought they were the best player. Right. And I think that was probably Jokic last year. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, like, and I always differentiate on like, look, I think best player means like for one season. So like, that's like, hey, redraft league, like fantasy football style. And it, by that, like, I don't trust Durant to stay healthy. I don't really trust Steph to stay healthy. Um, I think there's almost no argument against Giannis and Jokic in some order being the two most valuable players in the league. Don't you agree? I do, and 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 I I would have to like lean Giannis like just just thinking about the finals last year he was incredible. Also, I I still don't understand what happened. Like he got injured in the Eastern Conference Finals (laughs) and like grew stronger. Career ending injury. Like I remember talking to you and Tyler over text. Like oh my god, like like what what does this mean for his future? Like let alone what the Bucks were gonna do. And like like two games later, he's like back and like and he's just like. Like Superman out there, like it's it was like it's like one of those like creatures from a video game where it's like, wait, you're not supposed to shoot at him and makes him grow stronger. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, like it was b- the most bizarre underrated story, and maybe he is underrated for that reason. It's like he was out for the year and then somehow came back better. Yeah. What happened there? I, don't so, know. So, I mean, like, like, and and he was a guy too that like even because the Bucks had lost in the playoffs and like. People were like, it's like almost like empty calorie MVP seasons. Like, and now he's right. Yeah. No, he was that guy. And I still like watching him live, like whatever I was watching him them against Phoenix. Like I've said it before, but like he looks bigger than DeAndre Ayton to me. Like, how like weird is that? Like this guy is like looks like a center. Um, and can you know do everything else. The so that's uh, but I, you know, the other thing I was sort of interested in, you yeah. talked about, because everyone's talking about MVP still, as you mentioned, the idea of like expectations in the West. And I thought that was interesting just to, to end there. 
like Memphis being happy if they lose in the first round, maybe like how many teams do you think would say that? Like, uh, let me give you a list to jump back. But like Memphis would be probably, I'm not saying happy to lose, but like their fans would be like, you know, Hey, we accomplished what we wanted to this season. I'm happy with the result. Like, do you think that would be true for, let's say, obviously not Golden State, obviously not Utah. I don't think Dallas is in that position anymore. What about Denver? Like, hey. Are you talking about about now or after the season? After the season. Like, say, Denver, Jokic wins MVP, Murray comes back, Porter comes back, and they lose in the first round. Would their fans think that was a good season? I mean, we live in a world where – like, because the Blazers never made the finals, people are like, you got to break up the team. So, like, how – even though they made deep runs in the Western Conference a few times, like, I don't think anyone – like I said, like, there's, like, two teams that make the finals and everyone else is kind of, like, a disappointment. Yeah, but I think there's some teams – let me give you an argument that some teams are not in that boat. I think Minnesota's not in that boat because they've overachieved. If they lose in the first round, it would be expected. I think the Clippers, if their stars don't come back – that's considered. All right, let, me, let me give you the Minnesota counter argument because I sure. can just imagine. So, so the they 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 win the play in. They're the seven seed, and let's say they get swept. Oh, they, they lose. They get swept, and they lose for one. And then you hear some rumor that Carl Anthony Towns is a little unhappy, and it's like, well, of course he's been on a losing team for years, and when they finally make the playoffs, they can't do anything. Like. Like, no one's going to be like, yeah, they're on the rise. I feel like that's how people look at it. As Yeah, like, I think they are, though, because Anthony Edwards' youth. That's sort of my argument for, for I, Memphis. Oh, so we're just talking like a rational person here, not an actual. Yeah. Player. Well, and also, I was going to say the other teams in the East, not that we want to dwell on it, but I think Cleveland, if they get swept in the first round, their their fans are still happy with this year because they had an you know, overachieved and also the youth on their side. Chicago's a little more interesting because they don't, they're not super young but they overachieved. So for Chicago right now, four, maybe the sliding to five, if they get swept in the first round, would their fans be happy with the season? It's a good question. I guess part of it maybe like, is like which teams have overachieved their over under. Cause those are probably the teams, the Timberwolves, right. the Bears, and the Bulls are probably the biggest winners. But yeah, I don't know. I think you're right. It's a good point about the youth being like, I, I think it's the youth thing. Cause as, as long as you think you're on the upswing, you're okay with it. Yeah. Like, cause I would say like the Bengals this year in the playoffs NFL, like their fans are very happy, you know, don't you think like not only because they made it the Super Bowl, but also they think the future is brighter than the present. That's true. Like, that's, that's a really good point. Um, and I think that like, sadly though, it doesn't carry over. Cause the reason the Bengals fans are mostly happy is not because of T Higgins or even Jamar chase. It's cause like, all right, we have our QB for the next 10 years. And in the NBA, like the reason I say it's sad is like I just would never feel that way anymore. Like I feel like oh we have a star who if he has like an argument right. with another player like he wants out. Like like we don't have him for the next ten years. Well, and also this this is like another parallel to the NFL because like Tyler mentions this a lot. Like the NFL teams that usually win the Super Bowl, they have a good quarterback who's young and is like on a rookie deal still, like Russell Wilson or Joe Burrow. And then you don't have to pay them, you know, 40 or $50 million that we're seeing now. And then like eats up your depth everywhere else. So you're talking about Memphis. Jaw's still on a rookie deal. I think Luca is still on a rookie deal. I'd have to look that up, but I, I believe so. And so is it become like the NFL where it's like having that guy, like a good all NBA candidate 
on a rookie contract is really the time to strike? It's a good question. Luca is making ten million dollars this year. He will make thirty-five next year. I don't know. I mean, it's also. Uh, I think that like uh, analytics nerds or analytics gurus like Tyler would push back on that. Like that's how I thought of the NFL. But I think the past two seasons with like the mercenary QB who was like a, like a high price guy, like like that seems like a now antiquated model. The way that you and I think yeah. about it like the Russell Wilson rookie contract situation. Then again, the Bengals just did it and they did spend money on free agency uncharacteristically for them. So yeah, but they, in a way, like it kind of reminds me of the Atlanta Hawks and NBA where it's like, we have Trey young on a rookie deal. We have a lot of cap room as a result. So therefore we could like load up around him. This is our time to strike. So it's like counterintuitive to think like when you have a young team, it's actually the time to, get veterans versus like the future you're not going to be able to you see a team like the lakers like if everyone's maxed out it's not easy to add those role players that's a really good point and then also you are in that tough situation where when you have success you feel like an obligation to max out the players whether it's tristan thompson or bridges or whatever like not saying those guys don't deserve it but then you sort of have these max players that are not that wouldn't necessarily be like i guess you know mccall is not a max player but like you have you're paying the max to keep the team intact for players who probably are not max players. Well, and you know, Denver kind of did that because Jokic was on a really team friendly deal. And then they had the luxury of going out and overpaying for Paul Millsap at the time, who was considered a good free agent. So like, maybe that's a good question to see for the summer team like Memphis, you know, Josh still on a rookie deal, Minnesota, Anthony Edwards still on a rookie deal. Like, is this the time to load up and maybe overpay guys? <laughs> Or maybe the Cleveland, thing, too. I don't know. I, I think that's a, really, that's a good point. And it might be. I'm like, I'm like, I think that there's ample evidence that, that adding veterans could really change. Like, I don't know. Chicago, I know, is a more all-veteran team. But, like, like, the, like, people probably don't think much of Paul Millsap. But he really did, like, make a difference on those Nuggets teams for years. Yeah. He was supported. Um, so what or, you're saying just reminds me another thing that's like a little bit sad is like when when these guys are on their rookie deals or not max deals like Luca or Ja, um, and I guess you had to look up Luca, but it's like <laughs> I just always come back to Tobias Harris. Like the way we look at Tobias Harris is like effing Tobias Harris, like he doesn't deserve the money. Like we're not ever talking about young players in terms of deserving money. We're talking about if they're busts or not, but like it's just so nice to actually evaluate them if they're fun to watch, if they'd be fun to play with and not evaluate them in terms of are they worth as much money as they're getting yeah no totally and tobias is a great example because it's like people act like he's like the worst dog ass piece of player in the league and it's solely a result of him you know making you know a lot of money and if he was making 15 million dollars a year i think everyone would really like him no i know and it's like like if i watched the game with my wife and she's like oh who's that guy like tobias harris she's like oh people like him i'm like no they hate him she's like well he seems pretty good the the guy seems like it's like no but he's overpaid yeah like this this perception um like do you think like he'll care do you think he cares or is he like just laughing his way to the bank i'm so curious i'm I'm so curious because first of all you can't blame him like you should always take the money sure bad like it was not like he joined you know, the Charlotte Bobcats and took the money. Like it was a part of a very good team, but yeah, like it makes the people on the street like him less. It makes his career look at his disappointment. Well, and you know, we can end on this note because 
isn't that true for Russell Westbrook right now? And there's been a lot of talk about how like the fans have gone too far, allegedly death threats. That's obviously wrong. Calling him Westbrook, I think that's fine. I mean, I, I don't know why people are getting shamed out of that. You can heckle a guy for making $45 million a year for and not producing. But if Russell Westbrook was making $15 million a year, like, don't you think people would like him still? I, uh, that's, I, that's a really good question. Um, I think part of it, and, I, and I, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this, how much of the is the red man or the player? Like, like, I know there was the incident last week where Russell Westbrook sort of was, you know, snippy with a reporter but like in general that in, some people think he wasn't as snippy as he was like he he's not a guy who's like very fr- friendly he comes off as no he's he, very like, like prickly like like if he had just if he if his if his talking points were like i need to improve this and like um you know like basically if he were more of a media darling and and not because the media mm-hmm. just loved him but actually like care like he went out of his way to try to connect with the audience more would people that's a great question can you be likable and massively overpaid is there an example yeah, of a guy that's, that's who a really good question i mean like maybe chandler parsons i think people still liked even if he was overpaid and got hurt or steven adams i think is a little overpaid probably but he's he's still liked but yeah i think it's really hard because that's how we judge players it's just like are you worth the contract or not and like it can swing, like I, you know, like Dorian Finney-Smith, I like in Dallas, and everyone loves him. Now he got a pretty good contract, and so the expectations are a new level. And if he underperforms, then suddenly everyone dislikes him, even though he's right. the same player. Um, yeah, I don't know. Russ is like, <laughs> I don't know. I, would also, I mean, Russ is notoriously prickly, but but I also. I wonder if my question is moot because even if there was a player that actually gave like those right, the quote unquote right answers I'm saying, like all it takes is one incident for the press. Like if, the, if nine out of 10 times they said the thing and it's like, you know, I'm just, you know, happy to be here. I'm so grateful. But then the one time they sort of roll their eyes and it's like, that's the one that that's the perception comes from that, that one instance. Yeah. I'd be curious. Maybe we're forgetting somebody who was really overpaid and then people still loved because they were just like the, the good soldier. And maybe Mike Conley, because he had like the highest contract in the league at one point. Um, you know what? You know, actually, first of all, it's a really interesting question. Second of all, I, I'd be also curious for us to maybe do some research afterwards and maybe you and Tyler could talk about it. But but I think part of it too is like the mercenary aspect, which I was talking about with quarterbacks. Like, yeah. like as a Knicks fan, Carmelo, there was a time where he was not as, he was no longer like an elite player and he was really highly played. But but he did, but he felt like our guy, even though he wasn't born and raised. Uh, you know like drafted mm. by the Knicks like I feel like if it's like your guy you feel a little bit different or even yesterday on the text we're talking about Alan Houston and there were years that he was our max player and down but like he was our guy nowadays like that's why I feel like Mike Conley might have been overpaid but but the but members like we love Mike Conley like, yeah that's true but also maybe it's the overpriced I'm thinking of like translating it because you're in entertainment arts and entertainment you see that a little bit there too where it's like I like Amy Schumer, she's funny on the roasts. And then all of a sudden, Amy Schumer gets like big movie deals and everyone's like, I don't like Amy Schumer anymore. She's overexposed and overpaid. Like, isn't there a line there too where it's like, or Kamal Nanjani or something like that? Like, I love him on Portlandia, but like, I don't want to see him in like a Marvel movie as a star. Like, it's a weird yeah. line. And bands get that too. If somebody's on the thing, it's like part of it's like human nature, like, like jealousy. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like I could see my like. There's not that much difference between me and Amy Schumer. She, she, she gets to be on a few right. roads, but that, 
And then also just that like that feeling that people always have when like they were into the band before everyone else. And it's like now, oh, now everyone knows Camille. So like, right. Like, and like suddenly you stop liking the person you like. Although I do have, I'm working at workshopping a theory. <laughs> this is not basketball related. Why do people like Amy Schumer or Lena Dunham get like really vitriol or Whitney Cummings versus like beloved other standups? And I think part of it's like misogyny and sexism, but also like you said, like there's sort of a jealousy where it's like, wait a minute, like Lena Dunham got famous when she was like 20. Like, you know, I can't do that, you know, at this point in my life, like she has exceeded me. Whereas like somebody like Louis CK pre scandal or Bill Burr where they're older. I could still be like Bill Burr. I could have my late breakout one day. Well, it's also like that, that, concept like there's like a paid their dues aspect to it too yeah i could see that but and by the way i i, I love whitney's show on nbc well so you're just a crystalia fan off the field off the court it's right? very funny I, well i know him mostly from that show and the one episodes of workaholics he's on and i thought i don't know his work outside of that like i've never seen the stand-up but i thought he was great on that show he was very natural in that show for a stand-up for sure i mean no one ever saw that show it was not a very good show i thought but but Louis C.K. is really funny. I mean, I think. Anyway, we're going off the rails. We don't want to start defending these people. Let's, but, let's talk about other monsters that we both love and end the show there. You know what? Like, credit to the NBA. Joseph, writer, Joseph Goebbels. I mean, yeah, terrible person. <laughs> Lenny like, Um, But, you know, this is such a credit to the NBA because, like, problematic. Like, there are almost no problematic NBA stars in that you see in, like, the NFL or whatever or in entertainment. And I, I can't remember a time where those like the top 30 players in the NBA all seem like good guys who have never been in trouble before. It's sort of like amazing. Um, so we're looking forward to rooting for them, watching some and good. I'll give like a portion of the credit to LeBron for that. Cause he no, gets totally. for like the, like, you know, quote unquote player empowerment and all this stuff. But like he's, he was, he was the alpha and he set a great example. I still, I think about like what you say a lot, like it's like when people get successful early, they are sort of like the cliche is that they're more like jerks because they're, you know, they've had success and they haven't had failure. And it, it would have been so easy for LeBron to be, to go off the rails and to yeah. be a jerk. And we do nitpick him and it's, I think it's fair, but like, like I think he's an incredible role model, like given how poorly things could have gone and what he's been able to do. And I think no, absolutely. Did- and he'll have like moments where he like gets out of line a little bit. Like remember he had a rant about like, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'm LeBron. You have a sad, pathetic life. You know, people forget about that rant, but overall he says and does the right thing like 99% of the time. And the fact that like Russell Westbrook can be a villain because he was like the crime of like being kind of testy with a reporter. Like that is such like a minor crime in the world of celebrities. We really don't. I mean, is there anyone in the NBA who's a bad guy? I don't think so, unless I like have a blind spot. Like no one's like beating their wife or anything like that, as far as I know. Um, and then or Jason Kidd, maybe. Guys, I hate are Ben Simmons and Tyreen. Yeah, those are basketball reasons mostly. I think Jason Kidd's probably the one that's like because right. you know, he has a checkered past and he's done well as a coach this year. So how reluctantly do we accept that? Um, but we'll keep in mind that that's the kind of question we call on Blake for the deeper questions that we got there. Um, Blake, right. what should we watch of yours? What should we be reading right now? Um, so I I just finished a, a movie that's out, GameStop Rise of the Players. 
Uh, I made it with my longtime partner, Jonah, who directed it. And it's about the you know, ordinary investors who banded together and, and took on Wall Street and largely won. Um, and that's available, you know, wherever there's, uh, wherever you can purchase movies online these days, like uh, on demand on your TV, on iTunes, on Amazon. And uh, it was just in theaters. And yeah, if you like a good story, you will not. Well, and it. you're at that sort of sweet spot, I think, for people listening, because you're sort of on the rise and you can be a fan of Blake J. Harris. Like, at what point should we start thinking you're overexposed and overpaid? What year is that where we're going to start turning? Um, I, and, and, and I know, Zan, you're like a writer. I kind of feel like that's the best part of being, about being a writer. It's like, like you're never going to be very famous. So there's like, like what, who are the most famous people on our profession? Like Aaron Sorkin. Like, and he's barely overexposed. Like, yeah, that's true. Like, like, there's, like, even if I wrote eight more best-selling books and wrote five, you know, Emmy-nominated shows, you're still going to have most people go, like, who's Blake Harris? So that's good. No, totally. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so we can, so you could buy a Blake J. Harris jersey without fear so, that he yeah. will get overexposed. Or buy his book for sure. And some very exciting and books in the also, future. Also, I don't know if take the American Express offer of if I change teams within a year, you get a new jersey. Because I'm a, I'm a loyal guy. I would never change teams. <laughs> well, thank you for appearing on our podcast. That shows you some loyalty right there. You're appearing on the Underdog NBA show. You know how many basketball pods I Every week, I'm like, I am loyal <laughs> and Tyler, ride or die to the end. That's like a, um, you know, like a soccer player staying with like the relegated team and just like just riding it out. Um, I appreciate it. Okay, um, let's just quickly talk about Ted Lasso season two. Why was the storyline not, not the storyline should have been that Roy got injured at the end of the season one finale and then he was coming back from injury in season two? That just seems so obvious. But anyway. <laughs> Save it for next week. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for filling in. Good performance off the bench. Lou Williams, they call you. Sweet Lou. Sweet Blake. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.